Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. How are you all doing? Alhamdulillah. Nahmaduhu wa nusalli ala rasulihil kareem. Amma ba'd fa'a'udhu billahi min ash-shaytanir rajim. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Rabbish rahli sadri wa yassirli amri. Wahlul uqdatan bil lisani yafqahu qawli. Allahumma ahdi qalbi wa saddid lisani. Waslul saqimata qalbi. Ameen ya rabbil alameen. So alhamdulillah we began Kitabul Janais, the book of funerals and we did the first bab which is about Bab fil janaizi wa man kana akhiru kalamihi la ilaha illallah Regarding janais and remember that when it comes to the janaza prayer then it is supposed to be performed for who? For a Muslim. So the question is who is a Muslim? What's the definition of a Muslim? And here specifically Imam Bukhari mentions the person whose last speech is, meaning the last words that he utters are, La ilaha illallah. Meaning even if a person utters these words before he dies, La ilaha illallah, then he has in a way fulfilled the bare minimum requirement of faith. Correct? Which is why if you happen to be near a person who is close to their death, then don't start judging them that, oh, they hardly ever prayed. Their akhlaq was so bad. What's the point? Or I wonder if they were even Muslim. Or they're not Muslim. There's no point of telling them about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No. Even if you can help someone say La ilaha illallah before they pass away, inshaAllah we hope the best for them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is indeed merciful towards His servants. If a person says La ilaha illallah with their heart believing in it, then inshaAllah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will save them eventually. So consider this a responsibility upon yourself that when you visit a person who is close to dying, do not hesitate to tell them about Allah. Do not hesitate. You know, my husband's grandmother passed away recently and she was in the hospital for a very long time. And she was sharing her room with another lady. And that lady was a Christian And she was basically in the last stages of her cancer. Treatment was not working anymore. And she was in extreme pain. Constantly. Like she was either drugged or she was screaming. Basically. Whenever she was awake, she would be screaming in pain. And of course, she had many children, a big family. But everybody was busy with work, with school, something or the other. And most of the time, this woman was alone. So one day I was with my husband's grandmother and this lady started screaming in pain and the nurse just came, checked on her and went back. And again, this woman was in a lot of pain and I couldn't help it. I just went and I stood next to her and I said, uh, you know, I'm here if you need anything. And she just grabbed my hand and I stood with her. I started talking to her, started rubbing her hand and, you know, she started talking to me and she needed some company in that state. And she said, you know, you're good people. She said, you're good people. I like you people. And, um, you know, she said, we believe in God and you also believe in God. And I said, yes, we believe in Allah. And, you know, I started talking to her a little bit about Allah, a little bit about God, a little bit about the hereafter. And, you know, after pain is relief. And the next day, a friend of mine visited and she actually made her say the whole kalima. And... um The next day again, you know, she said the kalima. Every time I, you know, I saw her or she saw me, she would say, Allah, Allah. And in her pain, she would say, Allah. 
And then eventually she was moved to palliative care and we found her, my friend and I, we found her and we went to see her. And the moment she saw us, her daughters were there. And this lady again, she said, Allah, Allah. Right. And then the next time we went, she wasn't there. And we tried to find out what happened to her. Did she pass away? But the hospital staff would not tell us about that because of course they're not authorized to do that. We're not related to her. But the point is that I mean, if you can help someone say La ilaha illallah before they die, this is one of the biggest gifts that you can give them. And don't hesitate at that time. Because a person who's close to their death, a person who's in pain, they will take anything. They will hear any word of comfort. Any word of comfort. So it's your responsibility that, because Allah bi dhikrillahi tatuma'innul qulub. Right? That it is with the remembrance of Allah that hearts find peace. It is with the remembrance of Allah that hearts find comfort. And it's all hearts. So instead of judging over there that this was a very sinful person, right? Or this was not a Muslim, she's not a Muslim. Doesn't matter who they are, how they have lived their life. Your job is to help them say, La ilaha illallah before they pass away. Assalamu alaikum. I was uh, in the emergency once with my husband and a girl came in screaming in pain. And I just couldn't help myself. I told my son, can I go to her? He said, mom, go, go. And then I went up to her and I've never seen anybody in the pain that this girl was in. It seems she couldn't pass urine for three days. And every time I comforted her, she was like in her pain, she was going on thanking me. And I was said, trust in God, call God and you know he will answer your prayers and till these people took her inside I was with her then the lady at the reception she came to me and she said why did you allow her to be in this state for three days without bringing her here she assumed that I was the mother or somebody and then my son said no no she just oh your mother she knows how to mother people and I would tell everybody occasionally go into the emergency area of any hospital near to you. Spend 5-10 minutes. And you know the people over there, everybody is miserable and it's, it doesn't, they don't get to taken in right away. That's the time when we can actually do the dawah. We can invite them to la ilaha illallah. And if somebody you know, uh, any friend, any relative, is in the hospital, go visit them. And as you visit them, also greet the people or at least comfort the people who are uh, near them that you pass. Acknowledge them. You know, they're, they're in so much pain, physical, emotional. So uh, ease their burden for them. This lady who comes to my house every week for work, mm-hmm. uh, she's also not Muslim. So once, like a few months back, she was really in pain and she wasn't feeling well. And she was at my home and she was like, I'm, I'm really not feeling well. I don't know what's going to happen to me. And she's pretty old, subhanAllah. So I was like, you know what, just remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And usually I talk to her about Allah and one God, you know, believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, and she believes everything, alhamdulillah. So then I told her to say, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. And she wrote it down in her Italian language. And she was telling that. And she really felt good. And then she drove and she went back. And I think she misplaced the paper or something. And she called me, you know what? I read it like a few times and I felt so peaceful at heart. Can you please tell me again so that I can write it down and, you know, I can say it like multiple times. And she wrote it down again on phone and she started saying it. 
especially when you go visit somebody who's close to their death if you happen to be in a situation like that continuously say la ilaha illallah continuously say those words in front of them so that if they don't have the energy to say it themselves at least they can move their tongue along with you so help them remember allah you never know if you help somebody allah subhanahu wa ta'ala might send somebody to you when you are in that condition Now here we learned about the statement of Wahab bin Munabbih regarding La ilaha illallah that is it not the key to Jannah when he was asked about that and he said that yes it is but the key has its teeth also and what is meant by that is the conditions of La ilaha illallah right and um, there are several conditions of La ilaha illallah right but as i mentioned to you that there are levels of iman isn't it there are levels of iman one is the bare minimum level which is that when a person says la ilaha illallah believing in it without even knowing many details but they understand the basic idea that there is only one god worthy of worship they understand that basic concept they believe they identify as a muslim then they fulfill the bare minimum level and then there is the required level of iman and then of course there is the higher level of iman and you can also look at this as Islam iman and ihsan right Islam as in basic level then there is iman which is the required level and then there is ihsan which is the level of excellence so these conditions conditions of kalima shahada inshallah we'll tell you about them just now they are necessary but if a person does not fulfill all of them or does not fulfill them all at the required level then it doesn't mean that they have no faith This is essential for the required level of iman or for the excellence of iman. So what are the conditions of kalima shahada? First of all, the first condition is al-ilm, knowledge, which is the opposite of ignorance. Meaning a person must know that yes, Allah is one. And the Prophet ﷺ said that whoever dies knowing that there is no God worthy of worship but Allah shall enter paradise. So whoever dies knowing that there is no god worthy of worship but Allah then this person will enter paradise. Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala also says in the Quran fa'lam annahu la ilaha illahu annahu la ilaha illallah that you should know that there is no god worthy of worship except Allah. So this is the first condition the condition of al-ilm knowledge. The second condition is al-yaqeen conviction certainty that there isn't just awareness or knowledge that okay there is one god but a person believes in this fact with conviction with certainty so he has no doubt such certainty that he has no doubt at all as allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in surah al-hujurat ayah 15 that innamal mu'minuna alladhina amanu billahi wa rasulihi thumma lam ثُمَّ لَمْ 
yartabu that indeed the believers are those who believe in Allah and his messenger and then they don't have any doubt all right they don't have any doubt they are certain so the second condition is of yaqeen certainty the third condition is of acceptance al-qabul acceptance so a person doesn't just know that there is one god he doesn't just believe as a certain fact but he also accepts it what happened with abu talib did he not know did he not know that muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam was really a messenger huh? did he have any doubt about that fact no but did he accept that religion did he accept it no the fourth condition is al inqiyad submission meaning that when you accept then you also submit al inqiyad submission as allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says waman ahsanu deenan mimman aslama wajhahu lillah submitting his face to allah in one hadith we learned that when jibril came and asked the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam what is islam when he came in the form of a man sat in front of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and he asked him what is islam what is iman what is ihsan so when he asked what is islam the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said an tuslima wajhaka lillah in one narration it says that you surrender your face to allah so al inqiyad submission and submission means obedience that now if you believe in allah then you also obey him the fifth condition is as-sidq truthfulness meaning that a person truly genuinely honestly believes in all of this right and then his actions they match his words he is honest in his heart with regards to this faith this is the opposite of hypocrisy the hypocrites outwardly showed that they believed they testified isn't it outwardly they would come to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and in their fancy language they would say that we testify that you are the messenger of god right so on the surface it seemed that they had submitted that they believed with conviction they had no doubt but were they honest in that faith no they were dishonest so truthfulness is also important the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that no servant dies while having testified to the fact that there is no god worthy of worship but allah and that muhammad is the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam honestly with his heart sadiqan min qalbihi honestly with his heart and then remains on the right course except that he will be admitted into jannah so here check yourself also look at all of these conditions and check yourself the sixth condition is al ikhlas sincerity sincerity fa'budillaha mukhlishan lahuddin worship allah sincerely The seventh condition is al-mahabba love there is conviction there is knowledge there is honesty there is submission and there is also love that a person doesn't just know that there is allah he also has love for allah is there a difference between knowing something and loving something it's not the same 
there is a huge difference. So al-mahabba, love for Allah and His Messenger. وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبَّ اللِّلَّهِ Then the eighth condition is al-kufru bima yu'badu min dunillah. Al-kufr, denial. Denial of what? Of everything else that is worshipped besides Allah. That a person doesn't believe in any false god. Al-kufru bima yu'badu min dunillah. Denial of all other deities. Because it's فَمَنْ يَكْفُرْ بِالطَّاغُوتِ وَيُؤْمِنْ بِاللَّهِ Right? Denies the taghut and believes in Allah. Denying, rejecting taghut is also important. And then the ninth condition is التمسك What does tamasuk mean? Firm adherence. Until when? Until death. Until death. And this is where this is relevant. But the one whose last words are La ilaha illallah. Meaning he dies upon this faith. He dies as a Muslim. He lived as a Muslim and then he died as a Muslim. So at-tamassuk bil-shahadati hatta yamuta. So these are the conditions of La ilaha illallah. And this is what Wahb bin Munabbi referred to as the teeth of the key. Okay. So let's do the first hadith. حدثنا موسى بن إسماعيل حدثنا مهدي بن ميمون حدثنا واصل الأحدب عن المعرور بن سويد عن أبي ذر رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أبو ذر رضي الله عنه reported that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said that أتاني آتم من ربي أتاني he came to me who came to me آتن Someone who came. Mir Rabbi from my Lord. Meaning someone came to me from my Lord. And of course this is referring to who? Jibreel. That he came to me from my Lord. فأخبرني, and then he informed me. بشرني, or he said that he gave me the good news. What's the good news? أنه, that indeed he. من مات من أمتي. Whoever dies from my ummah, meaning any person from my ummah that dies, لا يشرك بالله شيئاً While he does not associate anything with Allah, then that person دخل الجنة. He will enter paradise. قلت, Abu Dhar said that I asked, وَإِن زَنَا What if he committed zina? Even if he committed zina? Even then he will enter Jannah? Wa in saraqa? And if he committed theft? Qala, the Prophet ﷺ said, Wa in zana, wa in saraqa. Even if he committed zina and he committed theft. Yes. If he dies while believing in La ilaha illallah, if he dies while he does not associate any partner with Allah, then yes, Allah will admit him into Jannah. Now this hadith is mentioned very briefly over here. There's a longer version of this hadith, which is also reported in Bukhari, in which we learn that Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu said that I came to the Prophet ﷺ while he was wearing white clothes and he was sleeping. And then I went back to him again after he had gotten up from his sleep. And then the Prophet ﷺ said to me, 
that nobody says La ilaha illallah and then later on he dies while believing in that except that he will enter Jannah. So it seems that the Prophet ﷺ was given this news in his dream. And remember that even dreams of the Prophets are revelation. So Abu Dhar, when he heard this, he said that even if he had committed zina and theft, the Prophet ﷺ said, even if he had committed zina and theft. So Abu Dhar was still not quite sure. So he said again, even if he had committed zina and committed theft, and the Prophet ﷺ said, even if he committed zina and theft. Again, Abu Dhar asked, even if he committed zina and he committed theft. And the Prophet ﷺ said, even if he committed zina and committed theft. Even if Abu Dhar does not like it. This time the Prophet ﷺ added, that even if Abu Dhar does not like it, Still, this person, because he believes in that ilaha illallah, he will enter Jannah. How beautiful is this hadith? Hmm? That eventually such a person will enter Jannah. Now, this hadith must be understood in relation to other ahadith also, right? And verses of the Quran also. This is how you understand any text of the Quran and Sunnah. You cannot just take one text, one statement, and then consider that as final. No, you have to look at it in light of other similar texts also. Right? So when we look at other texts of the Quran and Sunnah, we learn that for such serious offenses, there is punishment of the fire. Right? Or there is punishment in this world. Right? And if a person does not repent, then there is punishment in the fire. So what does this hadith mean? That just say, La ilaha illallah, and then do whatever you want? Hmm? Eventually, la ilaha illallah will save you. You see, like we discussed earlier, there are levels of iman. Right? So if a person fulfills the bare minimum level, what it means is that eventually he will be admitted into Jannah. He will be admitted into Jannah. Now being admitted into Jannah does not mean that a person will be spared from hellfire. Right? It means that depending on his condition, right, he will go to hellfire, be punished over there for a period of time, and then he will be taken out of hellfire and then admitted into Jannah. What, what is meant is that he will not eternally abide in hellfire. There is another hadith in Bukhari in which we learn that that a person with iman, that is even the amount of just a mustard seed, if a person has that much iman that is equal to the size of a mustard seed, eventually he will be taken out of hellfire. Eventually. So this is what this hadith is telling us, that if a person believes in la ilaha illallah, they die with that faith, then they should be treated as a Muslim. Right? Regardless of what they have done in their life. Correct? Because sometimes what happens is that you know of a famous Muslim, right? Who is also well known for their crimes or their sins, and then you wonder, okay, they died, should their janazah be performed? Should their janazah be performed? Yes. Why? Because they believed in La ilaha illallah. 
right? So you're going to put aside all of their sins, all of their crimes, and you're going to focus on the fact that they believed in La ilaha illallah. Right? And refrain from passing any judgment. Be careful about what you say. Next hadith, حدثنا عمر بن حفص حدثنا أبي حدثنا الأعمش حدثنا شقيق عن عبد الله رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من مات يشرك بالله شيئا دخل النار عبد الله رضي الله عنه he reported that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said that whoever dies while associating something with Allah will enter Annar, hellfire. So if a person dies doing shirk, then he will enter hellfire. Dakhal annar. Waqultu, and I say that, and this is Abdullah radiallahu anhu, he said that I say that, waqultu ana, man mata la yushriku billahi shay'an, dakhal al jannah. So he said that I say that whoever dies while he does not associate anything with Allah, then that person will enter Jannah. وَقُلْتُ أَنَا مَنْ مَاتَ لَا يُشْرِكُ بِاللَّهِ شَيْئًا دَخَلَ الْجَنَّةِ So Abdullah said that I say that whoever dies while he does not associate anything with Allah, then such a person will enter Jannah. So this is the benefit of correct belief. This is the benefit of correct iman. That it doesn't matter what level it is of, even if it is of the bare minimum level, eventually a person will be admitted into Jannah.